Just a quick word from our affiliates before we jump into the episode. SafePoint Loan Working App is a really simple way for you to manage loan working. Utilising what three words to get you pinpoint accuracy on the location of your people when you really need it. Get yourself a discount using the link and code in the description of this episode. Let's jump into today's podcast. What's up guys, today we're talking all about kind of behavior-based safety and safety too. We even talk about rugby, probably a little bit too much, etc. etc. with today's guest, who is the original gangster of behavior-based safety. The problem in safety isn't deviation, it's complexity. Health and safety has gone mad. Health and safety is trying to unpick having gone mad in the past. There's no one solution and one problem. The problem is that we are looking for one solution. Does the structure of the team allow them to flourish? Feel safe enough to be uncomfortable. The environment defines our behaviors. People aren't the problem, they're the solution. Rebranding safety, crushing the stereotype. Brought to you by Risk What's up guys, like I said, today's guest is Dr. Professor author, book writer, author and book writer are the same thing, book critic, keynote speaker, thought leader, the lot, the original gangster of, or one of the original gangsters of behavioral based safety. Now working with somebody that I highly regard as one of the most impressive people in safety, Jason Anko, who we've also had on the podcast. That's a massive giveaway. So, Today's guest, mental health, well-being leader, behavioural-based safety expert, culture genius, etc., etc. Professor Tim Marsh is coming on the podcast. Absolute legend to talk to. Really relaxed. Good bit of banter about rugby because he supports some some real like second-rate team. Uh, I don't know what they're called, Wales or something like that. I'm not sure. Anyway, now he's gone from working all in that kind of behavioural based safety, starting in the military doing some research, not in the military but doing some research with uh, with the military around suicide and then moving into behavioural based safety. There's a lot of work there moving into culture um, and now working like I say with Jason Anker all around mental health and well-being. So just had a fascinating chat with, with Tim um, and I'll stop waffling on and I'll let you get into the podcast we interrupt this broadcast to bring you a shameless sponsorship clip in all seriousness guys we partnered up with drm group you know david mclean has been on the podcast time and time again we absolutely support his message and he's got a brand new online course to help you i'm gonna let him tell you all about it now the brain can be trained to think and behave differently to think in more positive and optimistic ways and there are steps that you can take to train your brain to feel good for good And we call this Lasting Positive Change. Through our 16-day program, which includes daily videos and action sheets, taking you no longer than 15 minutes to complete a day, you will learn how to move away from thoughts of anger, hopelessness and frustration to a place of mental well-being and positivity. Okay, guys, so if you're interested, you can click the link below and get a discount, special rebranded safety discount. Full disclosure, we get a little bit kickback from that. So at the same time as improving your mental health, you can support your favorite health and safety podcast YouTube channel. I'll let you get back into the content. Tim, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much for coming on. You're welcome, James. I, I think just for the, the for the viewers of YouTube, if they're... Yeah. You should turn your hat around and, and be up front. Oh, wait, are we, we recording now? Yeah. Right. Oh, we got the camera. Okay, okay. This is my attempt to uh, to not look ridiculously scruffy. I like that. Uh, 
Rumpelstiltskin or whatever it was I was looking looking at before. Uh, but there we go. So for, for anyone not on YouTube, Tim Martin, <laughs> world leader of behavioural based safety and wellbeing, is wearing a woolly hat that says "Bad Hair Day." <laughs> <laughs> And, and if I took it off, you'd know that it's a very accurate <laughs> <laughs> So I, I want to say that it's uh, probably difficult times for everybody, but mostly a Welshman because Wales was second from bottom in the Six Nations when we ended it, I think, weren't they? If I remember right. Yeah, uh, well, I, I, don't, I don't, don't really know where we were, but I do know that we lost to England, and that means that uh, my, my entire year is ruined. This coronavirus is nothing compared to losing <laughs> to England. So. But if you can't remember, I can remind you. I think Italy are on zero points, and Wales are on seven points overall. Oh, well, that's, that's good, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, I just wanted to... Hey, listen, we scored the best try of the championship. I'm, li I'm, I'm hanging everything on that. On that, yeah, OK. That was a cracking try, that. It was, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I just realised I was saying yesterday because I knew you're a Welsh rugby fan, and I was saying to the wife yesterday, I was like, I can't even remember the Six Nations now. It feels like forever ago. That, that well, that we won't, well, we won't get the chance to play you in Cardiff next year. I don't think. Uh, or we do. It'll be behind closed doors, and that mm. uh, that will negate huge amounts of uh, the benefit we get from playing in Cardiff. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because Wales can only play well at home. So you know. Anyway. <laughs> I, I think we I think we took you out of the World Cup somewhere along the line uh, in in England. It was a long time ago. We knocked you out of, wasn't it? It was a long time ago. Certain that was in London when we did that. <laughs> I, I I don't know. <laughs> but I mean, if if we were to compare that to the most recent World Cup, which is what we need to go base our facts off now, is, yeah. is that, that we went right to the end. And where did Wales get to? Uh, oh, oh uh, you got to the end and you lost heavily against a team that we really should have beaten had we not been incredibly unlucky. We really that should have been... I remember it now. I, re I remember it well. Yeah, they slaughtered you in the final, I thought. <laughs> the That's famous words. get past us in the semis. I don't know. So if you want to make a comparison. <laughs> There's nothing better than talking to a Welshman about rugby. <laughs> well, don't forget, I'll just make the point for your viewers who might not be aware of the statistics. England has 20 times the number of players to pick from than Wales does, and, and, and the pick of the crop coming over from the South Sea who always go to the big London clubs and therefore naturalises English. You know, yeah. We got Toby, hey, we got our Tolupi, mm. so uh, mm. and yeah, we got one. Because Tolupi Faletau is a real traditional Welsh name, isn't it? Yeah. Ebervale, mate, brought, uh, brought up in Ebervale, uh, along with the uh, his cousins, of course, both of whom are fantastic English players now, apparently. Yeah. But then I can't I can't complain because Manu Tuolagi is not not up there with your John Smiths, is it? So he's he's, he's, he's quite possibly of Sousi heritage, isn't he? Yeah, along, <laughs> along, well, we'd have lost Toby as well, though. But he was really homesick. He wouldn't he didn't want to leave Evervale. So uh, when his cousins went off to I, I, one of the posh English schools, wasn't it uh, Millfield, I imagine, mm. and uh, he stayed behind, like thankfully. Mm. Didn't know that, <laughs> so yeah. we so we, we we got him. That's uh, I I yeah. have like an extra pain for well for welsh rugby because uh, i'm a northampton saints fan so Ooh. we had george north uh, for for a long time who was outstanding but then probably like the last two three seasons was obviously missing home and wasn't playing very well second he signed for a welsh club bang back to good old good old george north so for me that was just a Bloody Welshman ruining England. Oh well, I I, I I I I understand. He was always injured when he was playing for you as well, wasn't he? So he was, yeah. It was bloody frustrating. Always so, yeah. 
Anyway, let's let's talk in. It's not a rugby podcast. Okay, this is Shame. you need to cut out all of that, otherwise people are switched off already. You know? uh, no, I'm going to keep it in just for my own pleasure. Um, <laughs> right, Tim, why don't you give for those that don't know that might have been living in a cave forever? Why don't you give us an introduction to yourself? And oh, okay. Um, my my background in occupational psychology. Uh, I did a PhD in, in occupational psychology, um, and my postdoc research was looking at uh, suicide in army recruits back in. 25 years ago um, and reasons for and the reasons was that uh, that was the reasons were even that um, that they would take pretty much anybody who, they, who could stand up and then they would like basic training sorted out and uh, across the people who were suited that was fine people who weren't suited that was quite a traumatic experience and um, so that was my background uh, soon after that behavioral safety came came to Europe and they needed somebody to run a research project that could go on a building site I knew I'd been working with squaddies, so thought I might be suitable. <laughs> and uh, and I had, a, I had a, a, a ball. I just absolutely loved it from day one. Um, I'll, I'll tell you a story, if you like. Uh, if I've got time for a quick story. Yep. Yep, go First on. day's work, Blackburn Rovers, they're building the new stand. Jack Walker's money's coming in. Uh, so they're still build, building the stand. And they, they said, what you need to see is you need to see this thing on the, on the roof. So they took me up the back of the stand. It's half built. Over a beam that's only half finished, and you're holding on with ropes and stuff. And he said, right, from here, you can, you can hit the penalty spot with a spit. Not in, the, not in this wind, you couldn't, but, you know, on a still day, you can. I, and I saw that, I said, what, what on earth have you brought me up here for, you know? I, what, why would I want to do that? I'm terrified of heights. <laughs> and he said, oh, we had a sweepstakes. See how far the guy from the uni would come up on the roof. And uh, there were all his mates then waving up from, uh, from below. And I said, can I go down now? I'm terrified. And uh, so because I'd gone up, they, they gave me what I needed. And uh, that was day one, literally day one. Wow. I thought this is going to be fun. You know, welcome is, to construction. Uh, <laughs> welcome to the world of construction, yeah. And um, and, and so I, I, I did that. Uh, as that broke in magazines, people uh, contacted the university, said, you know, can we do this behavioural safety stuff? So myself and people like Don Cooper instantly peeled away uh, and formed companies. Um, uh, so that was 25, six years ago. Um, obviously, you know, if you do behavioural safety, instantly you find that the reasons people are behaving and a large amount an element of that is that uh, it's the way they're being supervised so you, you get into safety leadership the safety leadership of course is a subset of safety culture and safety culture is a subset of culture so over the years you find yourself working more and more with boards and just talking about tone and um, so you end up in places and now with the overlap uh, something like shell you know with a culture of care mm. Um, which, which encompasses well, well-being, mental health, uh, just an, an approach of quality dialogue as well as safety. Um, and so as you, you move up there, you realise that what you're doing impacts on, on uh, uh, mental health, well-being, general empowerment, um, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And, and it's all based around the quality of dialogue and the quality of learning. Mm. So that's, that's, that's where I am now. <laughs> Fascinating journey. It sounds just amazing. And I do want to get, I do want to get heavily into that kind of the well-being work and the health and well-being work that you're doing now with Jason Anker. But I just, I was intrigued to kind of touch on with, with yourself is probably one of the kind of original gangsters of, of behavioral based safety is <laughs> kind of like this, this current, I would say dividing of, of professionals between maybe like traditional behavior-based safety and, and your new kind of safety differently and safety to people and how we see the, the kind of market, not market, but professional just kind of bickering 
over over Ooh, and I, I well. found it extremely frustrating um and i and, and i just kind of put my position out there it's kind of like you know we can't the the kind of compliance or, or safety one as some people might call it is the foundations in my opinion and and the safety two is how we get to the next step but and i would just be interested on your being part of that kind of original foundations your opinion on that yeah, no, it's, it's really straightforward. If your viewers are interested, Dominic Cooper has just written an article really trying to savage the whole safety differently thing. He's not really pulled any punches at all. Yeah, I'm about Dominic. halfway through that, if I'm honest. It's, it's, <laughs> it's got uh, over 100 responses, I think, already after two days or something. Mm. Um, but but the, the safety differently thing, I mean, if you read Hal Nagel's original book, Safety 1, Safety 2, he is very explicit. It's safety two on the back of safety one. Yeah. You know, safety one is your foundation. Safety two is, is excellent. Nothing in safety two. Um, you know, safety is said and safety is done. Um, the key questions, uh, what you need from me. I want you to work safely and efficiently. You probably want to work safely and efficiently. But, but what do you need? Um, so the, the foundations of it are rock solid and, and, and to be lauded. Um, this, this whole argument kind of passes me by really i i you know obviously when when De decker who wrote the book safety differently when decker wrote the handbook of, of human error mm -hmm. um a lot of us read it and thought absolutely that's that's exactly what i was already doing that really in, in my own way but certainly it reinforced my own view that and reason of course james reasons work that 90 percent of what goes wrong is structural and so 90 percent of the time you should be understanding why an individual is doing what they're doing mm -hmm. uh, and the personal folk this um, should only be a small percentage, 10, 20%, because if you apply your resources to the cause, that's, you end up with 20% of the person and 80% of the environment. No. Um, and, and of course, uh, Decker's book, Safety Differently, is based on Decker's earlier book. Of course it is. Um, he's the same man, isn't he? <laughs> so um, so I, I just don't see a controversy at all, frankly. No. Um, although somehow if you've got the word behavior in your job title in any way, that definitely felt like people were trying to brand you as somebody who went around the building site blowing a whistle and telling everybody when they could eat and, and so on. Um, and that came out incredibly strongly in things like Hazard's Magazine's articles um, and American uh, unions as well, who, who seemed um, to feel that anybody working in behavioral safety was doing the whole catch a person doing something right, praise them for it thing, and only that. And um, the rest of us were, were just getting on with behavioural root cause analysis teams, uh, collaborative working, uh, lean, all, all the different techniques you use to say, right, what's going wrong? Why is it going wrong? What can we do to help you make it go right? Mm. Um, you know, uh, and uh, and so really, apart from getting a bit irritated on stage a couple of times when people are trying to label you as something you're not, it's really passed me by the whole the whole the whole argument really. You know, and I love the passion that safety differently brings. Um, Dom, the, the, the way that it's spun off or is perceived to have spun off into something controversial, like Dom covers incredibly well in his article. So mm. I'd be interested to see what the what the outcome of that is. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, uh, I've got him on my list of to contact to get on the podcast because I like how how passionate he is about about the like you said that article doesn't pull any punches it's uh, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll 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 recommend you james and uh, he's yeah. uh, he's a character dom he really is a character ask him about mental health and whether safety professionals should be anywhere near mental health oh. 
keep well, you that, busy for a bit. That, that's one of the conversations I've got with you, actually. But um, so <laughs> before we kind of we kind of move on from that, I did an interesting point that that I think kind of resonates with what you were saying. I was listening to an interview that um, Sonny Sonny Gopal did with with Professor Scott Geller, the American. I, I know. Head. Yeah. And and um, and and he said in there like the conversation came up as to essentially like what why it kind of didn't didn't work to a point you know as, as kind of so broad as we may may have expected it to do and now we we've essentially in my opinion just rebranded um behavioral based safety by calling it safety two or culture or whatever it's all the same stuff but with a different name but but he was saying that interestingly it was like my my job he said his his job is a is a psychologist to, to come up with this stuff and and put the theories out there which is not my fault that consultants picked it up and sold it wrong to 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 walk around and show people videos of of idiots doing stupid things to just say right this is darwinism or whatever you call it and say you know if you do this you're gonna die um and i thought that was really interesting that he was invested on it, but then so easily just kind of disconnected himself from it. I don't know if you've ever worked with Scott, but I just thought it was really just last week was the last time I, on a on a, oh, okay. on a podcast. And uh, you know, obviously Scott invented the term, or is reputed to have invented the term behavioural safety. Um, but but for me, I, I he did a uh, an overview of behavioural safety in a book uh, by Wiley Blackwell, the Psychology of Occupational Safety and Workplace Health. And he did um, an overview behavioural safety in that, and, and I critiqued it, put it in, in, in my book, uh, The Definitive Guide to Behavioural Safety. Um, and my critique was basically that in it, Scott very clearly says, you need to understand the context because there may well, you know, be a reason why the person has done what they've done. Raise a person for giving some things to feedback and all that personal stuff. Uh, and my, my argument, uh, I feel very strongly, is he's wrong there um, because may well is too weak almost certainly will would be a, a better way of coming in a better mindset to yeah. drive the questions and the methodologies um required I, you know and again based on reasons model that kind of suggests 80 to 90 percent of what goes on is, is structural um, the context so uh you know oh sorry go on carry on i was going to say so, so you know for me obviously uh i at the risk of insulting some great people, I, I do feel that in certain parts of the world, in America particularly, they, they've really been going around in circles a little bit and sticking with old methodologies. And, and so, so you know, not to criticise Scott uh, too, too much, but I'm very aware of the fact in his, in his book, in, in that, that article, he doesn't reference Sidney Decker, for example, and he doesn't reference James Reason, and he doesn't reference Dominic Cooper. And obviously, I think that he should be. I think, you know, as, as people, as, as, you know, Deck is hugely influential, especially after safety differently. But back in the day, some of that stuff he was writing about, you know, zigging and zagging, you know, and, and what you need to do is put yourself in the shoes of the person when zigging and zagging both look like perfectly sensible options. And it's only afterwards, with the benefit of hindsight, we realise the mistake. Uh, he really should be referencing that, I think. So, mm. And should have been doing so for a decade or more. I, I think you're right though, and of that kind of point of like, I feel sometimes that we, we're just going around in circles talking about the same thing from it from a different with a different title over and over again. And I was just like, I use a, a stupid example. I was at a congress in uh, in February um, where we had a lot of people talking about human uh, hop. So it was a human op optimized performance i can't remember now but hop yeah <laughs> um and, and, I, and i was talking to um the head of head of safety and risk from uh, itv ruth denyer and um yeah and the lady, Stuart uh hughes if i remember and i said and i 
I just feel frustrated when I'm sitting there listening to this stuff and be like, what's it going to take for people to stop just talking about this stuff and actually do it? Like the basis, in my opinion, the basis of what we, we're talking about here was is no different from what the legislation says, you know, do what's reasonable and practicable. You've got the HSE management standards talk about well-being and leadership, you know, all this stuff. So you can even go and watch Sean Bean in, in Sharp and there's good examples of leadership for God's sake. And that's like one of the world's oldest <laughs> bloody um, TV series out there. Pirates had, you know, employee engagement. You know, pirates had compensation. And I just, I feel so frustrated sometimes. We're sitting here going around in circles and it's like, do you know what? It's just good leadership, a good, you know, management of a business, of a team that we've known for years. What's it going to take for us to actually... What's it going to take? Complete lack of politics and ego, um, which is tricky. (laughs) I mean, you only have to look at the leaders of the free world or the leaders of of China, for that matter, and their response to, to COVID. To realise that, you know, um, that's not an easy thing to get rid of. Um, a, a, a more constructive observation, and I, I, was, I shared a stage with Scott Geller last week, and his thing at the moment is self-transcendence. You know, if you, um, Maslow's hierarchy, the top of it isn't self-actualization; it's self-transcendence. A lot of people don't know that. And self-transcendence is basically, it's a bit Buddhist, really, but it's about humility. And understanding that you're part of a bigger picture and putting everything to one side, like ego and politics, which is the link that I was trying to make there. Um, and really, you know, uh, obviously there's lots of really academic tomes about this. Uh, Frankel, the, the guy who survived Auschwitz, uh, is, is kind of the, the, the key writer about that. A Man's Search for Meaning, I think, is, is his book. But if you want something really accessible, um, there's a book called Captain Class. I think it was by a chap called Sam Walker. And he talks about all the best leaders in sports history. Okay. I mean, obviously, there's a guy called Patrick Leoncini, who is a professor in America, who talks about what makes a great team. You know, I think yet his first book was the five mistakes you shouldn't make, and he switched it to the three things you should do in his in his later work. But top of it, that's hard work, of course, and graft, or what Seligman calls grift, or what uh, we would call Heinrich's principle about working the bottom of the triangle and getting the look you deserve. But, but Walker's book covers all the best captains in sports history. Mm, and he it. says they've all got one thing in common, really, which is a, they work really hard and they do what the team needs. And they see what the team needs and they do it. So I think Richie McCall was a, was a really good example of a great rugby captain, obviously. <laughs> yeah. And he said, you know, if, if he thought the referee was weak, he'd pick on him. Mm. If he thought he could get away with roughing people up, he would rough them up. If he thought the referee was strong, he would be respectful. He would just tailor what he did. <laughs> to suit the situation and absolutely ruthlessly for the benefit of his team. If he thought getting himself sent off would work, he'd get himself sent off. He never did that. Right? Yeah. That was, a, that was a footballer from Real Madrid, wasn't it? Or something, but, uh, yeah. but you know, he, it, and, uh, some, some really interesting case studies about, about this humility and how humility is absolutely the key to great leadership. Um, so, um, I, I, if any, any of your, your viewers are interested in this and, and like this sport, um, and if they don't, they won't be listening to this because we'd have put them off with the rugby. But um, <laughs> that, that's, that's a great read. <laughs> and as much as it pains me to say, someone that re- reminds me of of how Richie McCall kind of does what he does is, uh, it's really difficult to say this, but Alan Wynne Jones reminds me very much of that. He's very good. And just as an example of what he did with um, Joe Marler when he grabbed his 
you know, he blew that up. You know, he played social media, and I was just like, "You absolute genius!" You absolute well, I, I on, a, on, a, on a less controversial uh, note, and uh, with no testicle grabbing references at all, <laughs> um, I, they, I, I saw a thing praising Tom Curry. I think yeah. in, in the paper just yesterday, saying, "Oh, this guy is you know puts the hard yards in." And then they said, uh, you know, y- yards made, um, tackles put in, and and, and clearances made, all, all the graft stuff. And and he was really high up all the lists, you know, was Tom Curry. Just to realize he was like third and second and fourth. Yeah. One, 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 uh, Alan Wynn. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, en- 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 end of call. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right. Anyway, we digress again. Um, so, so let's, let's jump, let's get into this, this kind of health and wellbeing stuff then, because you came So, actually how, how I kind of want to start this is, is, is firstly, like, I don't know if you, if you have an opportunity to listen to Jason when we had him on here, but he speaks quite open and honestly, honestly about that kind of journey that you seemed quite instrumental in or at least like really heavily involved in his journey from you could just look at like his different keynotes you know his original keynotes were you know stop and just take that that couple of seconds to think about what you're doing and it was very kind of personally focused whereas now he talks quite heavily around you know bouncing back the well-being but also that kind of as a business owner considering the environment and the well-being of your people around and and he said that quite openly that that was a really hard transition for him, that you were kind of part of that process with him. Was that all as Anchor and Marsh formed or before and after or at the same time? Um, a, a, a bit of both. Uh, as, as you know, when I took a couple of years out to, um, to look after one of my children who wasn't very well, while I was thinking of coming back, one of the things I was doing was I, I'd meet Jason for the odd pint, you know, um, and, and we'd chat about uh, his, his business and and what I what I, I thought he should even ask me well, what should I do I said well you need product you know you, you know you don't just want to be you as an inspirational speaker you should really put people point people towards product training and so on mm. um, and, and we really talked about well just life and and, and where the world of, of safety and health was going and uh, I, I I can't remember if I suggested it or I agreed with his suggestion uh, or possibly I suggested it that, that you know why not give a talk about the fact that he is an exemplar of, of all the things we talk about. You know, um, he is positive. He is successful. He is resilient. Um, and I suggested, I, I think, uh, a talk. It's you know, it's not about the fall. It's about the bounce. Mm. You know, um, although I don't want to take any credit, uh, but but you know, certainly we had a discussion. And 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 I think Jason has found that really liberating because, of course, he's now sitting in front of an audience. Instead of saying, "Be careful, you could end up like me," he's saying, "If you work hard, you could end up like me." And that's a very different message to be giving, a more inspirational, I, I, I feel, and, and obviously much better for, for, for Jason. I, I, I think, you know, he's facing forward very much. And, uh, you know, he, he looks to me, he looks 10 years younger than he did 10 years ago. Um, so, it, 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 it's, uh, you know, and, uh, <coughs> excuse me, his, his talks are, are fantastic, mm. you know, and, uh, you know, the, the different people he's met on his journey and, and how they've influenced him. Um, you know, people who say things, I think there was a, a chap who said, uh, I can only do 70% of the things that I used to be able to do, but I enjoy them twice as much. Mm, I love that. You know, and uh, and, and so on. And, um, you know, he, re- he really has bounced in- in- incredibly well. You know, he's uh, he's successful. He's happy. Uh, he's 
very healthy, um, you know, and, he, and he's enjoying life. Uh, obviously, we, we, we set the company up and it started really quite promisingly, but, but Brexit really got in the way. I can't tell you how many we, we need to see what happens before we can commit to this project. Of course, we had. We just got through that. <laughs> Everything was looking absolutely rosy for 2020. But, uh, but, you know, we were on the phone, we had a Skype yesterday and we were both laughing and joking and saying, well, we'll make the most of it. I'm watching box sets, I'm reading books, I'm writing articles, I'm doing podcasts, you know, let's just make the most of it. It's uh, So that's, that's what we're trying to do. Awesome. I was, I was listening to a, a, someone else's podcast yesterday and I can't remember who it was now. And they were saying, you know, 2020 is going to be my big year. It was obviously not, it was pre-recorded a while ago. And I was listening, it was like, so th- th- next year I'm I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And I'm listening to it like, no, you're not, mate. <laughs> no, you're not. How how different everything is. Oh, do you think like you're... Well, do, you, do you know, it's, it's, a, it's a mindset, James, isn't it? It's, it's you just got to, you know, like everything else in life and, and everybody like the Seligmans of this world is it's a mindset it's the it's the farmer you know the famous the famous story about the farmer no I, I don't know oh well I'll, I'll, it's, it's, a, it's like you know, it's a Buddhist story really and um, it's basically you know there's a farmer and, and his neighbor comes up to him and says uh, I believe there's going to be a war isn't that terrible and he says well too early to know yeah you know anyway um soon afterwards I think his son the farmer's son breaks his leg really badly and can't help with the crops and the neighbour comes over and says, uh, "This is terrible, bad news for you." And he says, "Well, you know, do what you say, really, isn't it? You know." Anyway, the the, the war sweeps through the village. All the young men are taken off and uh, and off to war and, and certain death. And uh, but they don't take the son because he can't walk. He's got broken leg. So the farmer's neighbour comes over and says, "God, you're wise. That was that. How did how did you know? What good luck that your son broke his leg." And the farmer says, "Too early to say, really." <laughs> that is a good story that you is. know and uh if you if you can have that mindset of you know so it wasn't great that, that lauren got ill it wasn't great that that sort of led to the breakup of my old company right in my safety uh, um but now i'm working with jason i couldn't be happier what a what a what a struggle that was well it's it too early out. to say really isn't it oh yeah. <laughs> see what i did there <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and I just like to say, uh, well, 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 score, score one to James, really. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, what, what, uh, Jason is just, just an amazing guy. Like he's, he's still to this, to this day, like one of the favorite, one of the best people I think we've had on this podcast. Like I just felt instantly, like I knew the guy. I remember I, I, I spoke to him on the podcast and then a few times over social media. But I only met him in February at this congress, and. Um, and kind of walked over to him and we were chatting away and then, and then he said like, you, you realize we haven't actually met like face to face, but I just felt like I knew him. He's such a lovely guy. Such a lovely guy. Do you think he, he um, is? I, go on. Sorry. No, I was going to say he, he is. He's a lovely guy. And he's, uh, you know, I, 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 I lovely to everybody and as, as genuine and as kind as he comes across. Mm, true. True. Do you, do you think the the kind of seeds were sown with to to lead you into the kind of well-being piece when you did the the kind of first um, work with the suicide in the army like like that must have been heavily focused on on well-being and health from like a mental health point of view or do you think it was well, I, unknown at that point or 
Um, I mean, back in the day, we were talking about things like realistic job previews and saying that if you if you sell the army as a, as a wondrous adventure, and then you end up spending most of your time in barracks with people who, who don't really like you because you're they're not suited to the army, you're a bit clumsy, you're a bit not very fit, you're a bit introverted, anxious, and so on, and all the stable, extroverted, the naturally tidy people, <laughs> you know, are thriving around you. So you, you need you need to let people know, but um, certainly uh, that that was my interest, um, and really it's it's not so much uh, taking a, a lead from that. It's just that the whole world of she turned back towards where I come from. So I, I like to think I was at conferences well, six seven years ago, and thinking we need to start talking about well being, you know, and and realizing I think. Uh, you know, like uh, banner headline stuff. Like if you get your well-being absolutely right, engagement, empowerment, involves engagement, it involves empowerment, it involves quality dialogue, it involves treating people with respect, it's, it involves leading people like Richie McCaw, you know, we talked about that. Um, then really 80% of your behavioral safety issues will take care of themselves, mm. you know, because people will be empowered, people will be switched on, people will be engaged, people will be alert. And if they've got something to say and something that they can share, that they will, um, because they'll go and talk to you because they expect you to listen. And you know, and there's an awful lot of organisations out there that that doesn't apply at all, as you know. Yeah. Um, so if you if you if you all the things you need to do to have a really engaged, empowered, happy, thriving workforce necessarily cascade all over behavioural safety issues and, and a whole bunch of other stuff as well, mm. including mental health. Do you think this is the well-being thing? Is that is that kind of that one thing we've been missing? Like so, and I talk that from a point of view that like everyone talks about kind of breaking this plateau of of kind of workplace fatalities and serious industry, injuries that we've been stuck on this plateau as an industry, well, as a as a profession for for so many years. Is is that kind of managing well-being that thing that we're that we're missing? Like you're saying, it's so it's so similar to all those kind of revolutionary stuff that we're talking about, like the safety two and different like that. It's all so similar. Is it just managing well-being, do you think? Or is it um, I, I don't, I, you know, I, I don't think talking about stuff that's been missing, uh, it, it, you know, I, I think it will help. Um, and I think uh, a really good understanding of the, the interplay between different things um, will, will really help drive it even lower. Um, but, you know, like, like a lot of people, you know, we were looking at fatalities in the UK less than 200 uh, now, which obviously for the 200 people involved is, is is terrible. And obviously, Don Cooper's got a very different opinion on this. But you know, I'm I'm not really looking at the at the, the that 200. You know, obviously, your primary focus has got to be on the 5,000 or so working age people who kill themselves. Or you know, and if you get the British Occupational Hygiene Society people on, and they say, what about the 12,000 people minimum that die as a result of exposure? Mm. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I forget the uh, the name of the guy uh, built the tunnel. Oh, Geordie, big Geordie. Anyway, you know, he, he was championing the expression, we've got to stop shouting safety and whispering health and maybe turn it around. You know, it does say HSE, you know, and we really need to focus on health issues. Obviously, mental health is, is attracted a huge amount of attention. And the BOHS saying, well, our problem is even bigger. Mm. Um, and, and maybe, just maybe, one of the things that will come good from COVID is that, you know, our British Occupational Art Hygiene Society will do things like they say, look, you can't see the pathogens in the air, but if you put this ultraviolet light on them, you can see them. And actually, it's quite harmful. 
and, and techniques like that that people could do but kind of don't because you know um, maybe they'll start doing it more often in the future you know? <laughs> yeah. the reasons of the, of the bleeding obvious so um that, that we might get a, a boost there and and if you know you're, you're talking about a minimum of twelve thousand people a year dying prematurely because at least in part i know, I know it's parceled out isn't it it's not in part it's parceled out um uh, as a result of exposure so we, we we've uh we've got huge mountains to climb and, and the the thousands of people working age who kill themselves and of course if you're talking about heinrich's triangle um you know uh we don't know how related it is to work but we don't know that work contributes quite a lot to that yeah. and obviously home life and health as well of course but it's all a, a, a mix um you know you're talking about lots and lots of people who are having a, who are hanging by a thread tens of thousands who are hanging by a thread and hundreds of thousands and millions who are just having a really bad day mm. um and so you know it's uh, a huge opportunity if we could have you could do a classic step change and have that um, you know, all sorts of benefits, benefits to what they call UK PLC, um, you know, was everybody's much more productive and engaged, um, less disruption of turnover and absenteeism and presenteeism and so on. Um, happier people, uh, so happier home life, mm. less alcohol consumption, etc., etc. you know, so there's, there's a huge opportunity to do what we're doing better, I think. Just and starting with to go back to the safety differently thing, just getting into the habit of saying to people, "What can I? What do you need? Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. what what do you need from me?" It's interesting when when we hear like the the kind of on the news and you talk about the mental health crisis that we're that we're, that we're in in the UK and that the, the NHS can't cope and we need to give more money to the NHS and I, and I, yeah that probably we do i'm not in a position to say whether we should or shouldn't do that but i i think we as safety professionals and and quite increasingly becoming mental health bloody professionals as well which is a kind of a question for in a minute um but he's he's we, we seem not to be dealing with the root cause and i'm not saying that like you just said you know work is not the only root cause you know i'm not naive enough to say that but we do spend a hell of a lot of our time at work and that business owners, leaders, managers, and even ourselves. So we can acknowledge that, you know, if we just did that, you know, I don't know, let's say McPherson manufacturing decided we're going to, we're going to help our 150 members of, of staff. And we're going to really focus on that well-being piece and just forget about the kind of profits and stuff that we might become more efficient, which we'll come on to in a minute. But we're doing our bit. That's 150 less people potentially committing suicide or going to counselling or, you know, putting that stress on the NHS. You know, if how how kind of impactful would it be, in your opinion, like quite similarly to environment? My wife uh, says quite a lot. You know, we don't require everybody to be perfect. We require, you know, everybody to be imperfect. Like if we did one more thing that little bit better, you know, it would make such a, a, a national difference, wouldn't it? Well, I mean, you know, uh, we could, you know, uh, it, it goes, it depends how strategic and, and overriding you want to be. You know, we could, uh, we could probably alleviate world pro poverty if we could just persuade everybody to eat half as much meat. Mm. Um, because we, you know, uh, all the all the figures suggest that 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 would work. And and on a, on a micro level, you know, if if I eat half as much meat, um, and, and I and I cut out my dairy, and I take more exercise, and I cut down on my drinking. I'll almost certainly be a more productive individual than if I didn't, mm. you know, and we, we can all do that. Uh, so there's, there's all sorts of things. I mean, on a, 
on a methodological level, you know, if I could just persuade every factory to have behavioral root cause analysis teams in it, which are basically, you know, this is what ABC analysis, this is temptation analysis, this is reasons cheese model of causation and blah, 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 HST 48, all, you know, just some basics. Mm-hmm. Right now, okay, that's a bit of background for you. Right. Um, what goes wrong? Why does it go wrong? What can we do about it? You know, if we could just get twice as many teams like that generating ideas from the front line saying, well, this is what happens in practice. You know? Yeah. Um, we're supposed to do this, but we don't. You know, <laughs> um, but we would if we did this. Mm. Um, you know, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. That that would transform organisations. Uh, the, the, the you know the classic question of uh, what's slow, inconvenient, or uncomfortable about doing this job safely. You can ask that of long workers, home workers in particular, because you know if the answer to that is all this, not everybody will use that as an excuse to cut the corner, but lots of us will, and often. So we can we can work on that. If we could double the number of times we get people to ask the question, why curiously of something going wrong, with the assumption that there's a sensible reason for it, it might not be, but usually there is. Um, you know, we'll get better dialogue and better responses and better better answers, better analysis. Um, and you know, and then J- Jason's piece, you know, used to Jason when he did his talk about don't don't be like me. He'd say just take five seconds. Five seconds can save your life. Almost every accident there's ever been, if somebody had stopped for five, ten seconds and thought, they could have stopped it. You know, in the world of mental health, is you know, when I ask you this morning, are you all right, James? If I spend half a second listening to you saying, yeah, well, good, great, crack on it. You know, if I can spend, if I can train myself to spend five seconds listening to your answer and paying full attention, I might actually spot that, nah, you're not all right at all, actually. Mm. And um, and so in Jason's talks now, he, he talks about. You know, when you ask people if they're okay, actually listen to the answer. You know? yeah. and, and, uh, and obviously that plugs directly into things like Shell's culture of care. Yeah. Um, you know, it's not, a, it's not a fantastically difficult methodology, is it? Really? No. I do find you know? a lot of this is just like, to be crude, it's kind of, you know, not, not being a dick about it and actually caring about people. And, and I, I remember delivering um, an IOSH managing safely course a few years ago and we came onto this conversation and, and I said back then, you know, how many times do you actually ask your staff, you know, how are you? And obviously everybody said, Oh, all the time. Like, how many times do you ask your staff, how are you? And then you finish the conversation with, well, by the way, have you done that report or have you finished this thing with that client? Like that. Uh, and then everyone was like, well, yeah, pretty much. The only time I talk to them is when I need them to do something. It's like, whatever happened to us just sitting down and having a cup of tea or a cup of coffee with someone and it's quite interestingly what what jason said when when we had him on the podcast it's like we've got so good at the safety side of things that we've forgotten the health side of things and then combine that with how um the society has changed so you know he was he was comparing it to we used to have working men's clubs you know conservative clubs all, all of these kind of clubs that everyone would go to go to work finish work down the pub okay there's an argument for the health side of things granted but from from that kind of social mental health which which social socializing is such a big part of that kind of mental health side of thing we never do that anymore do we we finish we finish work we go home and we, and we sit at home that's it we watch netflix yeah, yeah i mean i mean all, all that working men's club uh, sports and social club or uh, bowling uh, you know all that sport that we don't play very much anymore you know all the cricket clubs are dying and so on that all mm. plugs directly into that kind of hoogie thing that the the, uh, the Danes go on about you know 
just sit down with some friends, a couple of beers, a couple of beers with friends, it doesn't hurt. You know, and, uh, mm. Yeah, and, it, I, I, you know, we, we, we talked before about Sam Walker's captain class and, and the, the All Blacks. Um, uh, you know, and there's, uh, there, there's, there's a lot, there's a book called Legacy, I don't know if you see it. It's, it's, it's a slightly more academic one. He, he, he's obviously done a huge amount of research, the chap that wrote it, he, he referenced all sorts of interesting things. But, you know, in, in there, the, the core of it is they all sat down one day and said, right, okay, this is the rule now, no dickheads. Mm. Yeah, mm. We, we, we haven't got time or space to deal with them. If you're a dickhead, you're out, no matter how good a player you are. Right. No, I, I, I'm quoting. I'm quoting. No, no, I love it. I love it. <laughs> and, uh, and, yeah, that, that's, that, that's about it, isn't it? I, I Just to go back and, to your point, yeah. And this stuff is just happening at such an unprecedented rate, isn't it? Because it's like, I mean, when I started at my old rugby club, we were putting out six, seven teams a weekend. Like, you know, if you were put Colts and then like four or five kind of um, adult teams and events teams, like consistently nearly every weekend, even the, uh, the, that, that same club was in the magazine, uh, the kind of national rugby magazine once because we put out more teams than anyone had put out before um, in one weekend. And by the time I left, and, and now actually, when I talk back to kind of people that still play there, they only have a first, second and third, and that's it. And they're still struggling to put out that third team. And it's like, do you know what? When I started, it was first, second, fourth, fifth, the vets, the Colts. It was just fascinating. All of these people. And then you go to the clubhouse afterwards, and it was just buzzing. And you do all the kind of stupid rugby stuff as well. But within like five Well, I, I never did, James. I was always very sensible and sober. Of course you were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've never stunned your underpants and downed a pint or something like that. <laughs> it's um, it's just happening so quick. I mean, that's that's like I spent a good five years at that club, and within that time, it had gone from putting out six, six, seven teams a weekend to putting struggling to put out three teams. No, and it's the same with cricket, you know, which is another very sociable sport, and. Uh... You know, great for your mental health, cricket. It's, it's all about banter, you know, and that's one of the reasons that ex-cricketers, ex-professional cricketers struggle so badly with their mental health. They just really, really miss the camaraderie. And um, and it's just one of the problem occupations, isn't it? Mm. Um, uh, but, you know, I, I, I'm still playing. I'm still trying to turn my arm over and, and so on. And uh, all the teams we're playing now in the Cheshire League, um, it's all men and, 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 their, and their sons. You know, there don't seem to be any... It's really, you know, people who've been playing for 30 years already and, and the kids aren't old enough to say no to dad yet. Um, <laughs> you, know, so it's, well, it's you know, it's a 16-year-old stood next to a 60-year-old in the slips and, and, and that sort of thing. And, yeah. uh, you know, so anyway. So. It's, uh, yeah, it's a shame, isn't it? The, the, and as well, I mean, you, you kind of alluded to it earlier, but the, the potential of, of managing well-being from a business point of view the efficiency, the kind of increase in profit potentially, uh, which will come with will come with efficiency. That you know, presenteeism, ab- absenteeism, and all that is is going to go down. This is good for business, isn't it? To just manage this stuff, surely. It is, and it's going to be. You know, care homes is, is a really interesting case study. I'm looking at my own, my own book actually. Sorry, yeah, um, organised well-being. But I, I did an interview when I was researching it. Um, and there was a oops, that's gone up a bit, isn't it? There, there was a, a chap who ran care homes, and he was a big advocate of all the stuff we're talking about. And his his position was, I said, well, well, you know, it's very enlightening what you're doing. He said, no, it's not. I if I don't have low turnover, 
low absenteeism and low presenteeism, I can't function. I can't even, I, I, I can't keep the company afloat. Mm. You know, I, I have to invest in it, otherwise I'm going under. Mm. Um, you know, and uh, I, I think there's, there's a lesson that it, 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 it applies whether you're doing well and you want to maximize your profits, or it applies if you're struggling, you know. Uh, because if, you, if you're struggling, it's very, very easy to make some silly decisions that look like they're effective in the short term that will actually hold you under the waterline uh, going, going forward. Mm. What, what the kind of, if people to kind of walk away from this podcast, what are the kind of things that we can, we can do as business owners, leaders, managers, team leaders, supervisors, whatever we are, safety professionals as well, like immediately i mean i think i think everyone listening to this probably already knows the answer but just to kind of solidify it those things that we can all kind of take ourselves to do to to kind of improve these kind of things would you oh, say geez. that's a tough question isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> um the answer is uh buy, buy my book <laughs> no no I, the answer is buy matthew said's book um which one for, for, first things first buy matthew said's black box thinking Okay. Um, which is a wonderful read all about the power of learning. Um, Fascinating book. And, uh, and remember that uh, everything that goes wrong is an opportunity mm-hmm. um, and that things will go wrong all the time. And the more you strive to achieve, the more things will go wrong. So having a really grown-up, adult, analytical approach to human error um, and, and human fallibility will really help you whatever you go whether you're a world leader or just just a manager of a small team i think that's 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 the first place to start really dale carnegie's book again mm-hmm. you know um uh, all about that 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 nudge stuff that uh, if you do spend five seconds listening to the answer about are you all right you'll you'll, you'll learn a lot um and, and try and apply it best you can um and uh i never forget that the key things that drive your organization and not your strategic decisions so much but the daily habits because your culture is your daily habits and if you can get your daily habits right leading by example in a positive way because you're always leading by example whether you want to be or not Mm -hmm. um coaching rather than telling praising rather than criticizing and just having really good quality two-way respectful adult analytical dialogue you won't be going far wrong Nice. And and we, we had a little bit of a uh, conversation on LinkedIn the other day about Matthew Syed's other book, Rebel Ideas, which I, I thought was quite interesting, actually. I've gone back through it since your comment and had a look at page 58, I think it was. 58, um, which, um, so that anyone that listens to podcasts is like my, my favorite book so far absolutely blew my mind of kind of all the examples. But like you were saying that it felt a bit padded to get across quite a simple point, which was on 58, which I thought was quite interesting well I, I just think i mean the point that he makes is, is, is great isn't it if you have a collection of like-minded people you have fantastic expertise about a small area if you get a diverse group of people um then you get different different views and different ideas and he gives fantastic examples about 9-11 and and so on but i i did think that the whole book really was just about those two diagrams and is it page 58 is it I can't remember. I you yeah. said I'm well, sure it's a video, and I look. I only looked like two days ago, but I forgot the number already. But yeah. Anyway, awesome. uh, uh, so I, I did think it was. I, I felt it was a little bit padded, but um, but to give him a, a, a boost rather, I don't want to criticise the, the great man. Um, Bounce, I think, is is a wonderful book. I'm not um, right. and I, and I, have you read Bounce? No, I've read. I've 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 listened to um, 
flat box thinking and I've read Rebel Ideas but I haven't read Bounce yet. It's on my well, divine well, list. It's Bounce is um, hugely important. It basically says it's Heinrich's principle, not Heinrich's triangle or the controversy about predicted uh, yeah. Heinrich's principle that if you put the graft in, you tend to get the love that you deserve at the top of the triangle. And he gives huge, huge numbers of fascinating examples, like you know David Beckham's record for keeping up he, when he first yeah. practiced, or was six or something at the end of his first day before he went on to be the world record holder or whatever he did. Mozart was a very average musician um, for a while. You know he wasn't the child genius at all, but his dad made him practice all day every day. He was a uh, music coach in Some people actually think Mozart was was not a very good musician at all and it was a bit potluck or something like that. I can't remember. Well, no, they, 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 they said that um, all his early work, you know, quite a lot of his early work was poor yeah. and that actually was a bit of a late developer, frankly. That was but, it, a late but, developer. Yeah, and lots of stories like that in in, uh, um, in, in that book, which uh, which is, well, basically, so if, if you go through life knowing that you probably get the luck that you deserve and you need to put the graft in and you need to learn from everything around you best you can, and keep an open mind and be very mindful of the fact that people will make mistakes all the time. You won't go too far wrong. So if you if you got bounce in one pocket, um, you know, black box thinking in, in, in the other pocket, rebel ideas up for you to remind yourself to listen to other people who disagree with you. Um, <laughs> and, <laughs> and, uh, and captain class to remind you to be humble at all times and do what needs doing. Um, you won't go far wrong, really, I, I, I would have thought, yeah. Mm. There we go. Yeah, we got the University of Life. Four four books. Read four them, books. swallow no. them, and the the the, the 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 Tibetan Book of the Dead as well, or something. And you you got it covered, really, haven't you? You get those four books, you do anything. The world world is your oyster. <laughs> the world is your lobster. Yeah. <laughs> well, Tim, I, I thank you very very much for for kind of coming on the podcast and chatting with us. Uh, you're definitely one of one of like I say the original gangsters of of kind of safety and, and 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 all the kind of stuff that you're doing now and would have never thought I could get Mr. Tim Marsh or doc is it doc, Dr. Tim Marsh isn't it Professor technically Professor technically sorry oh Professor yeah Tim Marsh on my podcast so thank you very much for coming on I appreciate that ah you you you're very very welcome I hope uh, I hope I said some stuff that might be interesting or thought provoking oh I don't know about that. Oh well, um, well, I, I did my best, but uh, what would you know? You're an English rugby man, so <laughs> your um, opinion doesn't count, frankly. Much friendlier. It's lovely to talk to you, James. You're, you're very, you're really very welcome. Okay, guys, I hope you enjoyed. Ah, fuck. Oh. Okay, guys, I hope you enjoyed that video, that video, that podcast. Um, Tim Marsh just like. Like I say, original gangster of all this stuff. I love the way how how kind. I love how relaxed he is in in, in chatting and a good bit of banter about the rugby. It was just a good laugh. It was just generally generally a very good kind of current COVID chat. If I'm honest, seeing as we're all kind of having Zoom chats nowadays. Um. So yeah, overall very nice chat. Very nice gents. Uh, I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, if you did, hit, give us a like. Give us a, a comment if you're on iTunes. Give us a rate and review. Um. All the books and stuff that we mentioned, we're going to link in the description below. There'll be a little Amazon um, link. It is an affiliate link, so hopefully if you're going to buy the book or you're going to buy anything off Amazon, go through the link below and I'll get a little bit of money that I can put towards this podcast. Keep making it better. And also, you know, 
feed my children. That's a joke. That is a joke, but I don't have any children yet. They're on their way. Um, but either way, I could I could feed them. I, I feel bad for making you feel bad now. Anyway, yeah. Please buy something through the link below. Um, all the books that we mentioned, or most of the books that we mentioned, are down in the description below. Tim's LinkedIn and Anchor and Marsh website are in the links below. Um, so you can go talk to Jason and Tim more through their, um, through their website, Anchor and Marsh. You could do some work with them if you like. Or if you just want to have a chat with Tim, you can hook him up on LinkedIn. Talking to social media, if you want to come chat to me some more, all of our social medias are coming onto the screen now if you listen on YouTube. If not, it's Rebranding Safety on Facebook and Rebranding Safety on LinkedIn because we now have a LinkedIn page and it's Rebranded Safety on Twitter. Don't ask me why it's Rebranded Safety because um, it's just such a stupid thing about not having enough letters in the thing. So that's how we did it. Was it a good idea? I, I don't know. I'm yet to decide. Anyway, yeah. If you do give us a rate, review or anything like that, give us a screenshot, send it to one of those social media so we can give you a shout out on the podcast. Otherwise, I'll see you next week. Safe. Hey, one, just a quick message from our affiliate program. Using DRM's online course, you can learn to move away from feelings of anger and frustration and get yourself some lasting positive change. Click the link in the description of this episode to get yourself a discount. And thank you for listening to Rebrand the Safety.